Well, hello, church. Um, once again, it's great to be together and worship with you guys. And uh, we had a great time this week um, meeting up and doing some prayer time and worship time. And we just uh, feel like the Holy Spirit is continuing in that same vein as we begin worship here. So just pray that you would join with us. Um, we're going to be singing a couple songs that would, uh, I guess, turn our attention, turn our hearts towards, towards God. Um, and then we're going to end up with a song. Um, and I just want to tell you something. A lot of times when we see the lyrics and the chords on an iPad or on a, a piece of paper, um, it doesn't really tell us how to sing it. It just kind of gives us the words and, and the music. But in this song that we're going to hear later, it actually says on there, freely, freely sing. And that's what I want to en encourage you uh, tonight, this evening, in the morning, whenever you're watching this, just to sing freely, just to open up and try to, you know, uh, loosen the d distractions wherever you're at and just come in with open, empty hands and arms and just say, Lord, I'm giving you this time right now just to worship you, Lord. So, Father, we anoint this time. God, be with us as we worship you. May you be glorified, God. And as we worship that, um, Lord, you would open us up like dry ground and just with a fresh anointing of, of new water, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Joy of 
desire, Lord. Seek after you, Lord. You're the one thing, Lord God. We worship your holy name, Lord God. Inhabit our praises as we worship you.
Well, it's good to see everyone again, and um, I want to thank Pat Bray and the worship team. They continue to do an awesome job week after week. Last week, I spoke on the uh, blessing of unity, and one of the comments was, it's what we learn after we know everything that really counts. We had a prayer meeting this week as a congregation outside, socially distanced, and I made the comment that it takes a lot to knock COVID-19 off the front page. I want to say that we are painfully and deeply saddened by all the events surrounding the death of George Floyd. It's been a terrible and difficult time for so many, for so many different reasons. Many people are on edge some justifiably frightened and concerned for their neighborhoods and the nation. Our First Amendment right to protest has been, is there, but unfortunately there has been outbreaks of violence and even anarchy. So rather than pontificate, I'd just like to read Jesus's words In Matthew chapter 5, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Finally, brethren, 
whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything, anything worthy of praise, dwell in these things. But today is a great day for me. It's a privilege uh, to introduce our speaker. His name is Matt Davenport. I've known him his entire life. He happens to be my oldest son. And there are many accolades I could say about him that would probably embarrass him or maybe embarrass me. There's just so many good things. But Proverbs says a wise son makes a father glad. And he certainly has done this. He has been married 18 years to, to Heather, his wife. They have five beautiful children. And um, I'm looking forward to what Matt has to say. So let's open our hearts and receive the word of the Lord this morning. Kids, you take notes. You understand? All right. Thanks, Dad, for the introduction. Um, I wanted to just briefly introduce myself again. Matt Davenport, growing up in this church um, and have... Uh, enjoyed all the fellowship via Zoom calls and emails and the efforts that everybody has put into staying in touch through this whole process. But I, I did want to just say hi. Um, it's amazing, amazing time to be alive. I'm standing in an empty sanctuary in Mission Viejo while you're all watching from miles away, maybe even tens of thousands of miles away. Bruce Lee once said, I don't know that Bruce Lee has ever been quoted in church, so I can look at my dad. Has Bruce Lee ever been quoted? Okay, so Bruce Lee once said, be like water. I had a coach that would say, water always wins. Why? Because water takes the shape of whatever vessel it's poured into. It also crashes and can be very destructive and powerful. When you watch water move down a stream, you notice it goes over, around, and through almost anything. Even when we build dams that are relief points, there's, there's things like lakes and uh, other ways that water is allowed to relieve pressure because it puts so much force behind whatever man-made structure was built to contain it. You're watching this right now on a TV, or computer and that's just how God works much like God or much like water God goes through the virus over injustice into the vessel when and where he wants you are the vessel and he is the water the past 90 days have been nothing short of historic to the kids watching I want to tell you, by the time you get to college, one of your electives will be called 2020. We've all witnessed the effects of global pandemic, unemployment going from 4% to 25%, the stock market collapsing. We've seen the effect of what no sports would do in this country. We've seen the Olympics canceled. And we've seen racial injustice put appropriately right to the front of the, of the line in conversation. Protesting, people out of work, people dying from the virus, and, that you're, and yet, there you sit at home. 
watching me share on YouTube, which didn't exist until February of 2005. So let me just talk a little bit about YouTube because I want to relate how God works. It was started by three guys, um, Joed Kareem, Steve Chen, and Chad Hurley. YouTube first launched in 2005. Keep in mind, this is what you're watching this on. And, how's, and now has become the most visited website in the history of the internet. As an employee of PayPal, which is where Elon Musk started and made his money as well, they soon re- the three soon realized in 2004 that there was no one location to watch all videos. A capital-funded startup, um, the idea for YouTube received something like 11 or $12 million from an investment firm in 2005. So in February, the domain name was registered in the headquarters above a, pizza, a pizzeria in California. In April, the first ever video was uploaded by one of the founders called Meet Me at the Zoo. After extremely quick growth, Google acquired the company less than a year later for around $1.65 billion. Today, more than 5 billion videos are watched per day on YouTube. The idea above a pizzeria in our home state is the platform in which you're watching me today. God, like water, moves about as he wishes. Sometimes I think we give the enemy too much credit. If you study Job's life, you will read that Satan asked for permission to go after Job. God allowed the horrific events that rocked Job's life in order to draw, to draw Job closer to himself. But it should be noted, and I really hope this comes through, that the enemy is not able to do anything that the Lord doesn't allow. That's really important. I realize this can be a difficult concept to comprehend. God doesn't start or promote evil happenings, but he does allow Satan to go around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour for his purpose. So here we are. We're in a place of total dependence. And I know several of you out there felt like you had things pretty dialed in before this started. You may have felt like you were in control. I'm willing to bet that feeling has changed. God is in control and we are not. He is in control and He is God. As the virus becomes less of a threat via vaccine or a miracle, we must hear that God is not looking to get things back to normal. I feel myself fighting this too. I want things to return just as they were. Well, that's not entirely true because I only want the things that I really liked to return as they were. Things that I enjoyed, not hard, nothing inconvenient. And I want things to stay the way they are in quarantine. Well, not everything, just the parts that include comfort and time with my family. I only, I mean, honestly, I only really want what's best for me. Sometimes I I get in the habit of writing down or vocalize what I want because it helps me realize how underdeveloped I really am. 
It's embarrassing reading this out loud. (laughs) But the Lord is saying to us right now, enough. We're not going back. We're going forward. I'm the Lord your God. I'm allowing hardship. I'm allowing suffering. I'm allowing persecution for a purpose. You don't have to understand it. Trust me. Follow me. I did not call you by name so you can sit back and try to understand me. I called you to love me and to know me. In Isaiah 41, 9 through 13, we read, I took you from the ends of the earth. He took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. And I said, you're my servant. I have chosen you. I have not rejected you. So do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be nothing and they'll perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. That's the God we serve. Those are the times we're in. You've heard my dad say this before, and he's, he's right here, so he can fact check me. But God is not nervous. When I started my business um, 12 years ago, I'll never forget sitting in the house, and uh, we were in a, like a side room, and we had a bulldog. And I was pretty nervous. I, nervous, anxious, worried. All those adjectives that go with that. Was this going to work? Was this business actually going to work? And we had a bulldog that we affectionately named Babe. And the bulldog walked up to me, and my dad said, Do you think Babe's nervous? Do you remember saying this? And then Madison at the time, our oldest, who's now 15, was three, and she walked in, and he said, Do you think she's nervous? The point he was making was that the dog and the kids weren't nervous because their father, me, was going to take care of them. The reality was I was nervous. I was anxious. I was pretty certain that this idea would fail. But I had to choose to hold on to his righteous right hand and walk with him. So the title of this message is Inquire of the Lord. Many of us have heard or read about King David. To me, David's story begins a lot like ours, or most of ours. He's overlooked. He's underappreciated because he's the youngest of eight. He's noted as ruddy and handsome. He was like the, the, he was, to me, he was a type of son that a father would love because Jesse asked him to do something and he would do it. I don't know that David spent a bunch of time breaking down the question and say, Dad, would you help me understand why you're asking me to go tend the sheep? I think he just tended the sheep. He was a shepherd and was asked to protect and oversee the flock. So when a lion approached the flock, David killed it because he was told to protect the sheep. 
He did the same with a bear. He killed the bear because Jesse told him, protect the sheep. I mentioned earlier how God allows evil to accomplish what is good. Let's take one step back. Hannah is the mother of the prophet who anoints David. Hannah wept bitterly because she couldn't have kids. And after much prayer and several years, she became pregnant with Samuel. Samuel is the prophet that anointed David. I want to read the first part of Samuel, and I want you to, and I'm going to touch a little bit more on that, but I want you to tie into that your struggles and your issues and your um, hard times are really your spiritual DNA. And anything that causes you to go the opposite direction is not from the Lord. It's seeking comfort. It's not seeking um, ultimately where he's calling you to go. So let's read 1 Samuel 17, 13 through 23. I'm going to break it up a little bit. Um, but So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. During that time, right, right after that, Jesse asked David to take roasted grain and loaves of bread to three brothers who were on the front battle line of the Philistines. So, getting into verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out. And Jesse, as Jesse had directed, remember, David just does what his dad asked. He reached the camp as the army was going out in the battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left the things with the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked how his brothers were. Skipping down to 24, when the Israelites saw the man, Goliath, who was approaching and, and taunting them, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will, will give great wealth to a man who kills him. Verse 26, David asked the man, he's curious. Wait, what? Wait, hold on. I'm paraphrasing, but what will be done? What will be done to the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him and saying, hey, no, no, this is what you get. This is what happens if you kill him. Skipping down to verse 32, David walks up to Saul. And I'm going to share some context why David had the confidence to walk up to Saul. Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistines. Your servant will go fight him. I got this. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against a Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Your servant has been doing what he's been asked to do. When a lion and a bear came up, tried to carry a sheep off of the flock. I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned... I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. I want you to understand something. The whole nation of Israel is at risk here. Whoever wins this fight is enslaved to the other country. 
and there's a ruddy, handsome shepherd approaching the king of Israel saying, I've got this, and here's why. This may be the all-time greatest sales pitch ever accomplished because he had to gain the confidence of the king of Israel. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of the Philistines. And then Saul said to David, the whole nation is up for grabs. Go, and the Lord be with you. And then we go on to read that Saul tried to give him his, his tunic, his, he gave him his stuff. Hey, this is this what worked for me. Um, and David couldn't, he said, I, I'm not used to this. Then he took his staff in hand, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch. Verse 41, meanwhile the Philistine, Goliath, about nine and a half feet tall, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at, at David and, and saw like this little boy, little healthy boy. Just He called him healthy and handsome. He must have been handsome. He said it like three times in the Bible. I just picture a, a young person that is just full of life, is in good shape because he's been living. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here. He said, I'll give your flesh to the birds. They're trash talking at the expense of two nations. And historically, the Philistines and Israel were always at war. This was like a very old, old issue. So David said to the Philistine, hold on a second. You, you, you talking to me? <laughs> That's essence what he said. You coming against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you, Goliath, into my hands, and I will strike you down, and then I'm going to cut off your head. That very day, or this very day, I will give your carcass, and I'm looking right at you, Goliath, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered, everybody here, look around. All these people, they're all going to know. They're all going to know there's a God in Israel. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran towards the battle line. Skipping to verse 51. This is after... This is after he put a stone through his skull. David's laying face down. David ran and he stood over him. And I want you to picture, there's a nine and a half foot giant laying in the middle of a field with two nations on two different hills. Everything's at stake. Their fortunes, their families, uh, their inheritances, their legacy. And this young boy who has been pulled out of the fields because he was faithful is now standing over a dead giant. He took out the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the sheath and he cut off his head. You know why he cut off his head? It's because he told him he was going to cut off his head. And when you're dealing, when you're dealing with the Lord, because in essence, what David was saying to Goliath is, I appreciate that you have all the tools. You brought a sword. You know, I, you have the, the guard, all the, all the, or the garb, all that. So I really appreciate that. Here's what you don't have. 
You have no idea who I, who I was anointed by. You have no idea what it meant when it says the Spirit fell on him mightily. You have no idea. You have no idea. You don't know who you're messing with. You're not messing with me. So when he cut off his head, that was the end. Right when he did that, and I want you to picture him holding up this, I almost brought a basketball because I figured that was the size, holding up his head and showing that to the Philistine army. They ran, and the men of Israel and Judah chased them down and plundered their camp. Skipping down to verse 55, as Saul was watching this, and Saul, I got to believe, was happy, because he was like, it was like David was the star quarterback that he put in at the right time, and he was sitting in a position like, we won. So he felt good, and then he realized what was happening, and then he started feeling bad, because there's a man, a young man, that just overshadowed him. So he approached Abner, the commander of the army, and says, Abner, whose son is that? Abner replied, as surely as I live, your majesty, I have no idea. I don't understand this. How do you give the, the nations, like the history and the future of a nation to a, a person you don't really know? As soon as David returned the Phil, from killing the Philistine, Abner brought him up to Saul. Whose son are you, young man? I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. And he's still got Goliath's head under his arm. I mean, I, <laughs> David to me is, he's a man after God's own heart for a couple of different reasons. He's a poet, so he's got, he's in touch with what the Holy Spirit's doing, a sensitive side, but he's a warrior. I mean, he has got a giant's head that's still bleeding under his arm. And I, I don't know why he chose to do that, it says he took Goliath's tools, his, his sword and all that, took him back to Jerusalem. But the point I want to make is that David specifically inquires of the Lord nine times in First and Second Samuel. Nine times. That means he was a man of prayer and of wisdom. And I believe this morning that, that God's asking us to inquire of him. What does that mean? Lord, what should I do? When's the last time you've asked him that? What should I do? I mean, I, I, I get into moments, as you do, where you get in the rhythm of a day where you're just reacting. But Lord, let me inquire of you. What should I do? I have a test. I have a, an interview. I have an important conversation. What should I say, Lord? Not, Lord, help me with my conversation. Lord, what should I do? What should I say? I'm inquiring of you. The part I didn't read, and, I, and this is where I want to talk about the preparation, is when David was anointed by Saul, it says that Samuel, that the, the, a spirit started, a spirit allowed by God was tormenting Saul. Immediately. The favor of God lifted and a, a spirit that was allowed by the Lord, you can read it, it's in there, um, started tormenting Saul. And they asked around, anybody know anybody? Does anybody know anybody? Anybody that can calm Saul down? 
you know what? I, there's a there's a kid that plays an instrument. I don't know. He's probably 15, 16, 17. He's he's good looking. They say that again. He's he's nice to look at. He's nice to be around. Um, and he's really good at this instrument. Um, bring him in. Whenever David played that instrument, the spirit that was tormenting Saul, which was allowed by God, left every single time. And Saul found favor with David because of it. So much that Saul made him armor bearer. This is before David killed Goliath. You need to understand the timeline. He's anointed by Samuel. The favor of the Lord leaves Saul and the spirit starts aggravating him and making him restless. He can't sleep. And then miraculously, he needs someone that can play music to calm him down, and David's the guy. So David, as armor bearer, what that means is he would carry around his stuff, his, his, uh, his battle gear, his, his swords, all those different things. It basically gave him access to the king of Israel. David got trained to be king by walking around with Saul. And all of us have had bad bosses. Maybe not all of us. Some of you have had bad bosses. Um, some of you had bad relationships. Some of you have had uh, parents. That is what you weren't hoping for. But what I want to say today is you have been invited into a position where you can observe and learn from what, what not to do. I believe that David walked with Saul in this process as a young teenager that he was able to observe and get trained in a kingly way to understand his role, and he's still a shepherd. So now he's the armor bearer, but every time after he would play his music, he would go back to, back to his hometown. And that's when you find Jesse, who was getting old, saying, hey, David, go take some food to your brothers. So when David shows up, and he's hearing this, and he approaches Saul, he's not approaching Saul as a stranger. The reason he was able to instill confidence in Saul is because he had proven himself by playing his music, as simple as that, being a good armor bearer, being a good listener. That was not an accident. He went from the fields into the king's palace to save Israel to eventually be king. God may have you cleaning up after sheep right now. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have plans for you to change the world. Small does not mean insignificant. Jesus told us that those who are faithful in a few things, he will put in charge of many things. This week, I want to challenge you, wherever you are, to inquire of the Lord. <clears throat> Don't have an agenda with him. He knows you have an agenda. Just, Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me say? What are you trying to teach me through all this crisis? Hear his voice and do what he asks. I believe that we're on a precipice of a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to need all of you, myself included, to be listening. So be encouraged this week. 
regardless of your current station in life, understand that by inquiring of the Lord, He will give you a word. And remember, you get a word, you have to be obedient. I believe that's a key factor why he was a man after God's own heart. He learned that in the fields as a shepherd of just of doing his job. All right, before we close, I did want to pray. Um, you're going to hear from a few others, uh, just some encouraging words. Um, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. <clears throat> I thank you that even though it's Friday, you know what's going to happen on Sunday when people are watching this. I thank that you thankful that you are already where we want to go. Lord, I pray that as the people are sitting in their living room or in their kitchen or in their house or wherever they are, that the peace that passes all understanding would fall in their households. Lord, I pray that you would put something deep inside us that, that thirst for your word, that thirst for your voice. In the name we pray, amen. Hey there, we're the Haltons, Todd and Jennifer. Um, asked to give a takeaway, I guess, of the recent events with COVID-19 and everything else. And first, I just want to say we miss all of you. And it was so great this last Wednesday night to be there and praying with everyone and just filling all of your hearts. It, it really was special for us. Yeah. Um, and my takeaway is something that Kevin, Pastor Kevin has said, actually, I think in almost every sermon, from the very beginning, which is we were made for such a time as this and that mm -hmm. God knew this was going to be happening. He knew when we would be here. And um, that was truly my inspiration every day that I sat down and um, every time I interacted with my family and um, I wanted, I didn't want it to be wasted and I wanted to glorify him with whatever I did. And with school, it was so helpful because I had 180 students and there were days where um, just didn't necessarily want to look at one more email because that is not me i love the people i'm like i'm all about the interaction and so um it felt like i had a new job but that message that those words just made me go no i'm gonna do my best today so um that's it that's mine and i'm gonna keep that up and i think for me it was slowing down a little bit i i was not affected by any of this we have continued to work and i've been out in it daily throughout this whole period but one thing that did happen is things slowed down just enough and i find that we need to slow down if we really want to hear what god has to say to us whether it's through prayer um, we had a lot of big things that we were praying for in our family and being able to slow down to see what his answer was to that prayer versus what we were wanting that answer to be uh, was huge. Um, so if anything could stay the same, it would be if we could just stay at a slower pace in life so that we can just take that time and really hear what God is saying to us. So that was big for me. Okay. So anyway, That's thanks it. everybody. We miss you. Look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Good morning, Saddleback Covenant family. This is uh, Alexander Green coming to you from beautiful Irvine, California. And uh, I just wanted to uh, touch base with all of you and share some thoughts on what we've been going through as a nation, as a world in this global pandemic and uh, kind of look at some things that we want to take with us and things that we want to leave behind and let go of. I think uh, for a lot of people, it's been a really hard time and I've been reflecting a lot on what the Lord's doing in the midst of it. We always know that the Lord is very um, deliberate, he's very purposeful in what he does and the way that he works in the midst of terrible circumstances. And uh, 
I think this has been a real opportunity for a lot of people to look inward in order to see how that affects the outward, both in a, from a personal standpoint and in relationships, you know, in families, I think husbands and wives and looking at their marriages realistically, uh, parents and their children, looking at what those relationships really look like. And in that, there's an opportunity for growth. Um, for me personally, someone living by themselves, uh, this hasn't changed my life as much as a lot of other people's that live in families uh, and with other people. But uh, in the midst of it, I think the big thing I want to take away from this is just a deeper sense of discipline. Um, I've been, you know, with fewer distractions, you know, no NBA basketball. Tyler Kelly knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I've been reading a lot more, getting to bed earlier, getting up in the morning, spending longer, deeper, richer time with the Lord, and just uh, running a lot and trying to trying to exercise and do the things that I can in that regard. And that's definitely something I want to take away, just being um, really uh, sort of disciplined in that regard. And uh, if I had to think about something that I really want to leave behind, it's a sense of a right to myself. What I mean by that is, as somebody who lives by themselves, very introverted, uh, it's easy for me to sort of be the master of my own domain. I think in this time, uh, for a lot of people, and especially for me, it's an opportunity to kind of look outwards and just be uh, not random or, or passive, but really active and deliberate in ways that I seek to be intentional in relationships and building relationships, being there for other people, serving, and uh, really getting outside myself. I think for us as believers, that's really something that should be a takeaway for a lot of people is in the midst of this global pandemic and all the tragedy and difficulty of it, how can we be a light? How can we uh, touch others and, and pour out from what has been put inside of us? I uh, love a Charles Simpson quote I heard last week. He said that the Lord is in the process of pulling out of us what he put into us. I, my prayer for all of us would be that we live out of that as we walk along the journey in relationship to one another uh, it's a process for each of us that the Lord has designed specifically, deliberately, uniquely uh, to each of us. And I pray that there's a deepening there of growth and um, that we all continue to live out of that. I can't wait to see you all hopefully sooner rather than later. And in the meantime, take care. Hi, guys. Hey, everyone. It's the Williams. We are very excited to be in front of you on camera today. It's quite the honor to be able to do this. We're asked to answer a few questions, but before we do so, we want to acknowledge the leadership of our church. So Kevin and the elders, you've been doing a great job in leading through this. We know, everyone knows it's crazy out there between pandemic, between protesting, between rioting, things that we never thought we'd see in magnitude. things, heartbreaking. Very heartbreaking. And so we just want to say thank you for yes. leading us, for modeling, for setting the example for us. We appreciate yes. it tremendously. Thank you so much. So to get into questions, the first one was, what would we leave behind during this time? So the first thing I would leave behind is hair, because as you can see, there's a lot less of it than there used to be, and it's probably only going to get tighter. The second thing I'd leave behind is junk food, because that's going the other way. I've had a lot more of that and probably need some more fruits and vegetables, I'm thinking. <laughs> but seriously, what I would leave behind is the lack of being able to connect with others in a more physical way, uh, being close to each other, having to keep the distance. I just don't like that, and I'm really missing people a lot, so I can't wait for us to be able to be together soon. What I take with me is the time we've had with our family. It's been really rich. So we have a high school senior and a couple of youngers behind her, and it's been tough in that aspect, senior year, but we've also had such a good time with the family, time that we would not have spent together mm -hmm. if we had not been locked down. 
And so ups and downs, yes, but we really made the most of it. And I really want to take that forward and be as being connected as a family. So true. Um, the thing that I, speaking of pandemic, the thing that I would leave behind would be um, just the fear and anxiousness that the pandemic has brought on for so many. Um, we're being bombarded every day about you know, new information, what's right, what's wrong, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And um, it's been really sad that um, it's it's brought a divide sometimes between people um, and, you know, none of us have lived through a pandemic before. We've never experienced this. So everyone has to do it their own way and feel comfortable. And so I would just leave behind some of that um, judgment and shame that I feel has been brought on by this. Um, and then the thing that I would keep is that I love um, the human spirit and how we desire to be together and have fellowship um, time together. And I love the creativity that we've seen um, during this time of how people will strive to get it at all costs, whether it's an online meeting through Zoom, a FaceTime, car parades, I'm getting together to have happy hour or dinner at a park. Um, I just love the creativity and I love the fact that um, even though it's not like it was before and we might be six feet apart, some of these times have been just as meaningful um, memorable and rich because we are appreciating them in a whole new way. And so that is something I hope that we take with us and we remember um, how important it is to be together and how good it is to be together. So, and we look forward to being with you guys soon. Hopefully. We love you guys. We love you. Miss everyone. Yes. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye.
children and their children and their children May His favor be upon you in a thousand generations And your family and your children and their children and their children
Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Oh, Lord, bless you. Lord, bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go out and be blessed. And may his favor be upon you. May you be blessed. Amen.